Hello, I'm Jeff Alex, and this is the Healthy Perspectives podcast brought to you by Verimaris, a joint venture of the nutrition companies DSM and Evonik. We're calling this week's episode Supercharging Your Pet because we're talking about the importance of omega-3 fatty acids, EPA, and DHA on companion animals. To do this, we have some great guests with us today that are going to share their insights and ideas around this topic for the next 20 minutes or so. So let's get started with the introductions. First, we have Serge Boutet, pet industry consultant, nutritionist, retail expert, and speaker. And Natalie Acero, nutrition manager for Pet Curian, North American Area Pet Food Company. Welcome. Thank you for taking time to join us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So, you know, based on consumer surveys that I have seen for the general population in the last five or 10 years, then the awareness level of omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA among the general population is fairly high, uh, and especially the benefits around health and wellness for people. But now we're talking about the benefits of omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA for companion animals, specifically dogs and cats. Humans see them as essential. But Serge, what about companion animals? Are these omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA, essential for the health and wellness of dogs and cats? Actually, uh, it starts with um, pet parents um, looking at uh, that hyperimmunization sense that we see for the past 20 years. And uh, they always relate to their health for their pet's health. So uh, since omega-3's benefits have been shown to be uh, very interesting on the human side, pet parents are looking at their dogs and cats and and see uh, a possible advantage to to it. We know that uh, first on the dog side, uh, EPA, DHA have an influence on the brain development when they're in the growing phases. So that's a a very interesting part of having uh, a level of uh, EPA, DHA in the food. It's even mandatory under AFCO uh, profiles on the dog side uh, at a a low limit, but it influences on how we develop pet foods uh, on the market when uh, we go on the, the growing side. The other impact of omega-3s is strictly coming from the anti-inflammatory potential of of these molecules. Um, As we know in the pet industry, there's a lot of joint mobility products on the market, especially when we look at uh, large breeds and giant breeds who may suffer uh, a little bit of, of these, but the action of anti-inflammatory can can go beyond uh, the joints and reduce a kind of a inflammatory stress that the old body of animals, dogs and cats, may have uh, under different circumstances and and different uh, food they they are eating. And the last thing, which is I think the most important for pet parents, is skin and coat health of pets. Because when we look at it, you know, we share our homes, our lives with with our pets. No wonder why we say pet parenting now. Um, And it is fun to relax with your animal and 
padded. And when the skin and coat is, especially coat is dry, you know, the fun is different, you know, uh, petting the animal. So omega-3s, especially DHA, EPA, have really become very important on that part of, uh, of nutrition for dogs and cats. That's some great feedback. Well, Natalie, Pet Curian makes uh, three extremely nutritious brands, Now Fresh, Go Solution, and Summit. And I'd like your opinion on what uh, Serge has to say about the essentiality of these omega-3 fatty acids. Yeah, I definitely agree with Serge. Um, when we talk about omega-3s to our retailers and our consumers, um, we kind of start from the basics. So omega fatty acids in general, they have a big impact in the body. They provide energy and they help with inflammation, like, uh, like Serge said, they help with uh, absorbing other vitamins and growth and development. Um, and when you think of omega-3s, uh, they're actually essential. So what we explain to our consumers is the fact that they're essential means that the pets can't make them on their own. So they have to be, um, the pet has to get them from the food that they eat. So there's another omega-3, um, ALA or alpha-linolenic acid. And adult pets, uh, dogs specifically, uh, have the ability to convert ALA into EPA and DHA. But what research has told us is that that rate of conversion is very low and inefficient. So really, when we're formulating pet foods, we want to make sure that there's adequate levels of not only ALA, but EPA and DHA, that the food that we're making uh, for our pets. And also, like Serge said, that rate of conversion is uh, pretty much zero in puppies and kittens. And knowing that EPA and DHA play a very big role in cognitive development, uh, it's very important for puppies and kittens that are, you know, growing and developing their brain uh, to have adequate sources of EPA and DHA in their foods. Yeah, that's great insight because um, I, I think that some of our uh, consumer surveys that we ran in the U.S. and in Europe um, show that there is a growing awareness, especially around DHA, because I think with um, a lot of the consumers being um, female that are buying food for the home uh, and the fact that uh, if they became mothers, often they're, they're prescribed um, uh, high omega-3 DHA EPA supplements for that fetal development and so on. So it's, uh, it, it's nice that that awareness is out there and we want to try to continue to expand that awareness because it's so essential, as you mentioned. So... One of the things um, is that today, the majority of the pet foods that do contain uh, supplemented levels of omega-3, EPA, and DHA come from wild-caught fish. Last podcast, we talked with some guests around the sustainability topic. And one of the ingredients that has come on the scene to address the issues that we're having of overfishing the ocean are algae algae being sort of the original source of omega-3 EPA and DHA in the food chain of the ocean that ultimately gets bioaccumulated in the fish and then we take the fish out of the ocean and process it for the omega-3s to give to both humans and pets and farm animals and so on. So my question to you, uh, Serge, to begin with is 
What are your thoughts about using algae as a source of EPA and DHA to bring those same health benefits that you just talked about to companion animals? Actually, you know, the um, coming to the market of algae oil has been a blessing for formulation in a sense. Um, first, uh, quickly, I, uh, I came across um, a, a small company here in the province of Quebec in Canada some years ago, a company that was uh, associated with uh, University of Rimouski, which is uh, really well set on the shore of the St. Lawrence River opening to the St. Lawrence Gulf. And uh, they are specialized in marine science. And they add... Uh, research and development on algae, taking some wild algae from the, the St. Lawrence River where it's salty water, and they add these react reactors creating the source of algae. And it, it's there that I learned, like many people, that the real source of omega-3s was through these uh, microalgaes. So... That said, it, it raised my interest into looking at different sources of, uh, and it was kind of rare, uh, DSM brought uh, some uh, uh, source of DHA through algaes uh, some years ago through a, a product called DHA Gold, which was interesting in the sense that, you know, because of AFCO uh, mandatory inclusion of DHA and EPA on the uh, on uh, growth products, it means that we always have to to add a little bit of uh, fish oil or things like that. And sometimes, you know, there's smell issues or you don't want to put any fish products into it. So algae oil bringing these DHA EPA is kind of a, a good blessing for formulation, avoiding the fish uh, element. Going on the sustainability side as well, it is very nice to see that we can go at the source, limit the use of unnecessary use of fish oil, uh, reducing possible fisheries of wild uh, animals. But also, uh, I'm bringing a, a, a subject of uh, novel protein that I've been involved in the past six years. It's insect protein. And uh, whenever uh, we develop, uh, I develop treats or pet foods with insect protein, uh, I want to add some omega-3s to it in needs of DHA, EPA. And when you use insect, you don't want to use any other animal products into it. So the algae oil is bringing, you know, a, a good opening to, to bring that needed DHA, uh, EPA, either for uh, growth products for, for dogs or just for improved skin and coat issues. So um, I see the Veramaris products as uh, a very, very good help for us, uh, like uh, Natalie, in, in product development and formulation for uh, pet products. Appreciate that. Yeah, Natalie, you you have worked with um, uh, the Veramaris Pets Algal Oil, high in EPA and DHA. 
What are your comments about that particular product or any algae product for that matter? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with Serge that it's really been a blessing when it comes to formulation. So, of course, there's the sustainability side of things, which we can talk about a little bit more. But uh, Serge made a really good point of having this marine microalgae as a tool in our formulation toolbox means that we can provide that EPA and DHA in our formulations without having to look to uh, fish or fish oil as a source. So an example of how Petcurian has seen the benefits of, of this ingredient is in our limited ingredient foods. So of course, you know, pets, many pets out there have sensitivities and sometimes for them, you know, a turkey recipe is what's going to work best for them. And on the ingredient panel, if we're trying to make, you know, an all life stage or a food for puppies and we want it to be limited ingredient, uh, in the past, it was very difficult for us to make that an all-life stage food um, because, of course, we needed that source of EPA and DHA and we'd have to throw fish oil in into a limited ingredient diet. So having a source like marine microalgae allows us to um, make our limited ingredient foods and not have to introduce um, a fish-based ingredient, which is really huge for sensitivity foods and limited ingredient foods. And then, of course, yes, on the sustainability side, uh, sustainability is something that Petcurian focuses on a ton. And it's really great to know that we have other options besides fish and fish oil. Um, one of the things that we talk about um, beyond just being sustainable um, to, you know, the fishing industry is the fact that, you know, the human population is also growing exponentially and we're going to have to feed a growing population for years and years to come. Um, and with the way that the pet food industry is becoming, you know, super premium, it's creating some competition with the human food industry. So, you know, meat is uh, becoming competition between the human food industry and the pet food industry, fish as well. So uh, when it really comes to pet nutrition, what's most important is that they're getting the nutrients that they need. Uh, and they can get those nutrients from multiple different sources. So having this marine microalgae ingredient as a source of EPA and DHA is really just beneficial from multiple different perspectives. Oh, that's some great insight. You know, it reminds me, Natalie, of uh, last week I attended the uh, Super Zoo in Las Vegas, the trade show where companies like yours uh, present your products to the retailers. And it gives me an opportunity to see what some of the newer trends are and certainly sustainability, alternative proteins and other uh, earth-friendly solutions are um, really front and center now. And uh, it's really encouraging to see that. And companies like yours and uh, the companies that you work for as well, Serge, it's really nice to see how they're they're making headway uh, out there in the world of uh, branded pet food. So I had the opportunity uh, while I was at this trade show, being the first face-to-face -face trade show I've been at for a year and a half, to meet up with uh, Rebecca Rose, the owner of InClover Research, a science-based supplement company. And I started asking her what makes her company different. InClover is a scientifically and thoughtfully developed supplement company. So we develop supplements that are for chronic conditions in dogs and cats. But the big difference is 
all of our supplements are backed by science. And that tells you that they will be not only safe, which is great, but also will work. Yeah, because I, I see here, especially this show, um, there are a lot of <laughs> supplement products that are coming to the market. And, and they make a lot of promises. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what are your thoughts about that? Because you are a research-based company. Our, my background is in biochemistry. And so I got my intro into the pet side through doing biotechnology and human healthcare uh, development. And from that, I realized that on the pet side, we could do so much better. We could take what we've learned in these other industries and we could apply them to the pet side and come up with better health products for pets. And supplements are one of the fastest growing segments in the pet industry. Supplement category is growing faster than natural pet foods right now. Wow. Which seems crazy. And that's really good news because it means that more pets are getting the benefit of supplements. But it also means that we have to be a little more aware of some of the right questions to ask and some of the things to look for in our supplements. How do you know? How do you know what ingredients to, to buy? I mean, what's your, what's your general guideline? You have to look at not just one thing. So it's one thing to say, an example would be L-carnitine. So L-carnitine is an ingredient that often is used in weight control, considered like a fitness molecule. As it gets more popular in both the human side and the pet side, a lot of people just jump on the bandwagon and start to sell L-carnitine. But we know that it has to be bioactive. So understanding the biochemistry really helps. So understanding that there are two types of active ingredients. But then that's not even enough because then you have to know the company who's making that ingredient and know that they are going to use the same quality protocol every single time. And then having relationships having some history with folks and understanding that, like with Veramaris, we know that you've put the research into it and that what you're producing as an ingredient not only has the efficacy that we're looking for, but it has the consistency of quality that we need. If we could just talk about omega-3s for a minute, if that's mm -hmm. okay with you. Yeah. Um, just tell me from your uh, you know, your research that you've done in this area, do you see the omega-3, especially EPA and DHA, those mm -hmm. two particular molecules, mm -hmm. do you see this becoming more relevant or the same going forward for pets and why? So we're members of the National Animal Supplement Council and NASC works with regulators and makes sure that things like claims and um, quality standards, adverse event reporting is all top notch. So, so that's why we love our relationship with NASC. But as an added benefit, we get a lot of market research through that organization, which is third party vetted research. And I was so surprised to learn that the skin and coat market of which omega-3s would feed in was the number two market for supplements in our dog and cat category. And that's mostly dog, but cat is certainly coming up through the ranks. 
So we take that really seriously, that consumers are looking for better options for their skin and coat supplementation. And part of better options mean not only efficacious formulations, but also responsible products. That was Rebecca Rose from InClover Research speaking to me at SuperZoo. My thanks to her and to my other guests on this podcast, Serge and Natalie. And we would love to hear what you think. So you can find me on LinkedIn and send me a message there. Thanks for listening to the Healthy Perspectives podcast brought to you by Ferramaris. Until next time, goodbye.